0: for free and every order for a year. Plus get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com.
1: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Hey, friends. Shauna here, and it is that time of the year. You all know about spring cleaning, but there's something to be said for cleaning up your finances this fall. There's most likely going to be a bit of stress on your wallet in the next few months with the holidays coming up, so I turned to my friend Rod Griffin from Experian to share with you five tips to help you ace your fall financial checkup. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Games. It will expand your brain. I love summer. I don't know about you, but because my birthday is in July, I try to milk the summer months. I love to travel over the summer, we go to a lot of concerts, eating out, just relaxing. It just is an amazing time of year. And that usually means that I end up spending a bit more money than I had budgeted for. It's so easy though to lose track of your spending and even go into some debt over the summer. In fact, In an experience survey, they found that more than half of millennials say they've overspent, and that has contributed to their credit card debt while on vacation over the summer. So basically, it just looks like we're not alone on this one. On today's episode, Rod and I speak in detail about five steps you can take today to get your finances in shape this fall and ready for all that Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holiday gift-giving spending ahead. We got your back, so don't worry. All right. So, Rod, we are now into the fall, rolling quickly into the winter. And I know that Experian did this survey where they found that more than half of millennials say that they overspent Mm -hmm. the summer. They racked up more credit card debt. This is a trend that we see quite often, right?
1: Right. Coming into the fall and as we move into the holidays and into the new year, that is unfortunately a a trend we do see. I think it cuts across all ages, unfortunately. Uh, it's, It's a tempting time of year and easy to get into trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think everyone's brain is we get to this time of year and of course we're thinking about how we're going to spend money. We've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday and it just feels like they keep throwing more spending opportunities at us. <laughs> uh, but this is a great time also to really look at your finances, start thinking about the end of the year, start thinking about next year. And I know you've got five tips to help us ace our fall financial checkup. So I thought Let's just dive right into those. I know the first one is to have a fall credit overhaul. Tell me a little bit about what someone should be doing when they're looking at their credit this fall.
1: Well, one of the things we know is that everyone's entitled to a free copy of their credit report, but fewer than half who are eligible actually get it. Wow. So it's really important that you check your credit report, know what's in it, usually you're going to find that it's completely accurate that's what we hope and that's what we we strive for and at the same time you'll be able to see where you are in terms of the debts you have the accounts that are open you can verify whether or not you might be a victim of identity theft which we again hope is not the case so you know, check that credit report know what's in it it's free once every 12 months at the same time you might consider getting a credit score uh, if you get a free report through the annual report site, there's a, a typically a, a nominal fee, but you can get free scores from other places as well. I mean, Experian has an app that you can use. Uh, it, you know, we talk about Experian Boost. Most people have heard about that. You get a free score and report as well. I actually, get two free scores. But get the score, get the report. That will tell you where you stand. Most importantly, when you're looking at your credit report as you're working on that fall credit overhaul, get the risk factors that go with the score because they'll tell you what from your credit report you need to work on to make that score better, make that credit report better. And if you do those things, you're going to have a much better holiday season. You're also going to have a much better new year. So that's what we really want to have happen.
0: And what do you suggest if someone is looking at their credit score and they do notice either an error or fraud, how sh- should they best go about trying to get that removed or solved?
1: Yeah. And when you get your credit report, you'll be able to see everything that Experian has in its file. So mm. you'll see your whole credit report, all of your identifying information, all of your account information information. What we call inquiries or records of who's looked at your credit report, both you hear the term soft and hard. So when you've applied for credit, you might see a hard inquiry. If you've gotten pre approved offers or um, insurance or gotten your own report, those are soft inquiries only you see them, but we have those there for you. If you see anything that concerns you about fraud, you should contact Experian and simply go to our website, Experian.com slash fraud. And you can add what we call an initial security alert. It's free, no cost to do that. It says, "I may be a victim of identity theft." Before granting credit, my name, verify my identity, or call me. And you can give us a telephone number.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So we then would share that with our competitors, with TransUnion and Equifax. So all three of the national credit reporting companies. That gives you 12 months of protection, and, and so lenders have to respond to those alerts. Anytime anyone asks for your report, we notify them that that alert's on file. So that's first step. Then you can get another free report. Make sure that everything is okay. If there's anything that is potentially fraud or you believe is fraudulent, you can dispute that as fraudulent and we'll be able to work with you uh, as you go through that. If you know that you're a victim uh, and have evidence. And I've had that happen. I had uh, yeah. tax fraud.
0: Happen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um,
1: I was really excited at first. I got a <laughs> check for like $6,000 in the mail from the IRS. And I yeah. Went, yeah. And then I went, Oh wait, I haven't filed my tax returns yet. So <laughs> then I was worried. Uh, and, but went to the police department, your local police department will know how to do this. You can file a fraud uh, report or a, an identity theft victim report and with that, a copy of it, you can upload it. We can add a free extended fraud victim statement that stays for seven years on the report. It says, I am a victim of identity theft before granting credit. My name, call me. And then you can give us two telephone numbers. So you can give us a day and an evening or a cell phone. And a. I don't know if anybody has landlines anymore. So maybe <laughs> desk phone, whatever it might be, uh, but two telephone numbers. And so if anybody applies for credit, again, it's going to alert the business or the lender to call you first so that you're protected. Uh, and that again, that last seven years or until you ask us to remove it. Uh, those are the the three first steps I would always recommend.
0: Mm. And do you see uh fraud is, is this continuing to rise or does it level out at all? Or what, like what are you seeing from your end?
1: Yeah, it's interesting in that identity themes are very clever. Um, and credit fraud is just one um, result of identity theft. So, if someone steals your identity through a data breach, for example, um, they may use it to commit identity theft and those alert. Or, pardon me, to commit credit fraud. If they use it to commit uh, commit credit fraud, it would then trigger those alerts on your credit report because someone would check it. But identity identity thieves also do other things with your identity. They may apply. For example, at for uh, a buy-here, pay-here auto dealership that doesn't mm. check your credit report. Uh, they might get a payday loan that doesn't check your credit report. They might use your identity for employment fraud. All sorts of things they can do. Uh, they might use your identity to commit tax fraud, which does not involve getting a credit report. So it wouldn't trigger those alerts. Uh, and so it's important to continue to be diligent about how you use your identity, checking that credit history, the alerts will give you some protection there. Uh, But you also have to to be aware that protecting your credit report will help prevent credit fraud resulting from identity theft, but it doesn't stop identity theft.
0: Very sneaky. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, step number two, I think is probably nobody's favorite step, but is really important. And that is just the cash flow and debt checkup, which everyone should be, we know we should be doing this, and yet we just don't want to do it. It feels like maybe another chore. So what are we looking for in this step when we're looking at our cash flow in debt?
1: It's that, you know, that word everybody hates, it's budgeting, right? It's that budget. And we all feel like that's, as you said, it's a chore. It's a lot of work, it seems like. But if you're managing a budget, a budget really is a, a tool that can help you be more financially healthy, can help you identify where you're spending that you don't have to be. It gets to the whole want versus need conversation and can help you save money. It can help you when you check your credit report, you'll know what debts are outstanding. If you're behind on payments, which is by far the most important factor in credit scores, you know, late payments account for uh, or what called delinquency. Accounts for about 40% of a vantage score. So anywhere from 35 to 40% uh, with FICO, for example. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's the most important factor. So checking it, it's another reason to get that credit report. Check that credit report so you know what's in it, because it empowers you to act on it. Uh, We don't always want to see it. And when I talk to groups, I often ask people, will they raise their hand (laughs) if they've gotten their credit report? And uh, people's heads drop to their chest, and and they shake their head, no, I haven't. (laughs) I ask them, why? and It's because I don't want to know what's there. And if you don't know what's there and you don't get it, you can't do anything about it. so that's the first step get that report understand where your money's going uh, where it's going out where it's coming in because that budget understanding the credit report really lets you map where you want to go so without a budget without understanding where your debts are you can't set goals and you can't reach that destination
0: yeah and also interest rates are really important too right most people don't know what the interest rates are associated with their credit cards. I've actually had quite a bit of luck calling and in getting interest rates on my credit cards lowered. And I know that they wouldn't lower it voluntarily, that I had to actually make that call and take some initiative. But do you find that a lot of people have no idea what their interest rates are
1: unfortunately, yes. Uh, you know people don't know how much they're what they're they don't know how much they're paying in interest. They don't know if they have annual fees or, or how much they are. They don't understand quite often that if they have a late payment, their interest rate could increase substantially. Mm, yeah, I've seen instances yeah. where interest rates can double nearly wow. uh, if you know, if you miss a payment. So it's really important to understand what you're paying. And you're right. If you talk to the lender and if you have a good credit history and a good credit score, it's another one of those things that, with a good credit score, you can go back to your credit card company and say, hey, I want a better interest rate because my credit's in really good shape and I can go to someone else. So it gives you bargaining power uh, as a consumer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the the kind of keyword there, if you have a good credit score. It, according to uh, Experian, what would classify as a good credit score?
1: Yeah, and here's the answer to every credit reporting question. Uh, <laughs> it depends. Uh, So it really depends on the lender. They decide what credit scores are acceptable to them, what will qualify for their best terms and rates. Uh, Lenders have different risk tolerance. So it pays to shop around as well to find the lender that's right for you. But generally, scores above 700 are considered prime, which means you will probably qualify, but maybe not at the best rates. Scores that are 750 and higher Will typically get the best terms. So that's kind of the target to shoot for. You don't have to have a perfect credit score. In fact, there's really no such thing as a perfect credit score because different scores have different scales. Uh, So you may have the highest score on one score and not on
0: another one. Yeah, that's good to hear because I hear a lot of feedback from people that they're trying to get that perfect score. And I always say, well, it doesn't exist and you shouldn't be aiming for that anyway. So it's good yeah. to hear another expert, uh, you know, f- validate that, that statement. Well, uh, it, go ahead. Sorry.
1: If, if you are trying to get that perfect score, if you, if you could see me, you would know you, you don't want as much gray hair as I have. <laughs> and. If you were trying to get that perfect score, you would just give yourself more gray hair. Uh, you know, it's about common sense, doing the right things. Uh, you know, if you're going to work on your credit scores, you have to pay your bills on time every single time, and you have to keep your credit card balances low. The lower, the better. And that's really the 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 secret to credit scores. There really isn't one.
0: Yeah. What about the the question that I hear a lot? Let's say you just have like a whoopsie and you forget your payment, but you're still you're outside of the 30 days, but you're within, say, 30 and 60 days. Obviously, most lenders will tack on some sort of late fee. But is there any procedure you should go through if you find yourself in that period? I mean, should you call the lender? Should you just make the payment? Is there any advice or guidance you have on that?
1: From a credit reporting standpoint, I think first is that we don't consider a payment late until you've missed a full billing cycle. Mm. And that's why it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So if you're just a day or two late, it's not going to affect your credit report if you pay it right away. But you're right. If you are late, the lender will likely charge late fees. They may increase your interest rate. It's about understanding that contract you have and what the terms are, uh, so it can be very costly. Uh, typically, not from a credit reporting standpoint, unless you miss a full month, essentially. Uh, so, it. don't have to worry about the report so much, but you will. There will be consequences. That said, life happens, and lenders recognize that.
0: Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news? Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet I know, so archaic, and it was so time-consuming. I tried all of the apps. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. EarnIn does. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So, how would you spend the money you get from earnin'? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So, I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make earnin' a part of your financial routine and join earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earnin', I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download EARNIN today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the EARNIN app, type in TALKIN, T A L K I N money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. TALKIN' money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Ernan is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And if you've never had a late payment, never had any issues, and you stumble because something's happened, notify your lender, call them right away, and they may be willing to waive that late fee, uh, remove the late payment. Uh, Even if it's been a full billing cycle, they may tell you that they won't report that late payment or we'll remove it from the credit report. So always work with your lenders.
0: It's Tuesday and that means it's time for another ask Shauna. And this one comes from Sally and Sally says, hi, Shauna, your podcast truly helps to keep me accountable with my finances. I'm 22 and I've recently finished my undergrad with $50,000 in student loans. I'm working now, but plan to go back to school in fall 2020. My loans are coming out of deferment soon, and my question is, would it be a significant difference to pay extra on my loans if they will gather more interest while deferred again in school? My minimums are about half of my monthly income now, and I'm lucky enough to live rent-free with my parents. I'm unsure of putting energy into paying extra on my loans if this is not currently my number one goal. Would an extra five bucks towards my loans each month make a dent? Maybe even an extra 20 bucks could be a more realistic goal for me. Thank you for taking time to read this and for a second opinion. Sally, this is a great question. And I think so many people are in the similar situation when it comes to student loans. It's so hard to figure out. What you should be paying, should you be paying extra, particularly if you're going back to school or you have another goal that is maybe a little bit more important right now than paying off your student loans all at once. Even though, of course, yes, it's really important to focus on the student loans. And I just want to say first, like, we all know this, but isn't it ridiculous how much money we have to pay to go to school to try and get ahead? I mean, it just feels... It feels really sort of criminal to me, I don't know. I don't know a better word than that, but it just feels crazy that we have to pay this much money just to try to get a job in the field that we wanna work in. But of course, alas, this is our system in the United States, at least for now, so we've gotta figure out how to play within these boundaries. And I have a couple of thoughts for you, Sally. One is, of course, paying more on your student loans even if they're in deferment, is always going to be better. It's going to save you interest down the line. So I'm always going to be a fan of paying more. Even an extra 20 bucks can really go a long way to shortening your payback period. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it really can help juice up your student loan payoff. So I'd suggest that you go and just plug in the numbers into a payoff calculator. There are tons of them online Nerd wallet has one. If you just do a simple Google search for payoff cap, uh, calculator, you'll be able to find one. And what I like about that is that you're able to see the numbers in real life. So you can see it literally right in front of you. You can plug in the extra amounts that you're thinking of towards your monthly payment and you can see how that reflects then. And then you can make some sort of judgment call of whether it's $5 or $10 or $20 or maybe your decision is nothing. I think another thing is, What type of loans do you have? Are they fixed loans or are they variable? So if they're fixed rate and the interest is under 7%, in my opinion, then you could probably hit the pause button until you get in a little better position financially, knowing that when you do, you're of course going to pay more towards your payment than just the minimum. If they're variable loans, those are kind of like another beast because interest rates is always a jump ball. And even though we are in a really low interest rate environment, I'm still just always nervous over what's going to happen with interest rates and then how that's going to impact your payment. So just a couple of things to think about there, but. Really sit down and see what you could realistically pay extra each month without putting yourself in too much of a pinch because I want you to be focused on school and I don't want you to be totally freaked out about your student loans right now. Also, another thing that I think sounds really obvious but we forget it a lot is to make sure that you're on the right payment plan that corresponds with your income. So there are so many different payment options out there and it's worth a call to your loan servicing company just to make sure that you're on the right plan, especially as things change and you go back to school. I don't know if you're going back to school full-time or if you'll still be working, but make sure that you make that call just to figure out maybe there's a better plan that might help you in this transition period that might lower that payment. So in essence, if you're on a plan where you have a lower payment and you pay more each month, that also helps sort of rev up that student loan payoff. So Sally, I hope that's helped you. I've hoped anybody else who's in a similar situation, that's at least given you a little food for thought. Remember, if you have an Ask Shawna question, head on over to the link in the show notes or just go to our website. It's mmoneypodcast.com and you'll find the Ask Shana spot right on our homepage. We'll be tackling an Ask Shana every Tuesday and I really want to help answer your question. And step number three kind of rolls right into that. That's get credit where credit is due. And we talked about some of the ways to monitor your credit score already. I did have one question that comes up a lot. Uh, knowing that one of the factors is length of credit history, there's so much, uh, information out there about should you close credit cards? And if you close a credit card, how does that impact your score? And then what if a credit card company actually closes your card? Like, how does that all work in your, in your score?
1: A lot of myth uh, around what happens when you close accounts, when accounts are closed. And you hit on one of them. When an account is closed, you do not lose the history for that account. We actually keep the payment history for 10 years from the date it's closed if there's been no late payments or no delinquency, no negative information. So closing an account doesn't cause you to lose the history for that particular account. What happens is that if you have, particularly with credit cards, what we call revolving accounts, because you can carry a balance from one month to the next, when you close a credit card, you lose the available credit limit on that account. That results in what we call your utilization rate increasing. And utilization rate is just your balance to limit ratio. So if you add up all of your balances on your credit cards and all of your credit limits and then divide the total for your balances by the total for your limits, you get a percentage, you get a utilization rate or a ratio. That's what changes. When that goes up, it's a sign of risk. And so your scores will go down, usually temporarily. Uh, And so our advice is always, if you are in the process or planning to make a major credit purchase in the next three to six months, if you're planning to buy a house or a car, for example, leave the account alone mm. because you want, you don't want to risk that dip in the score because utilization rate changes because it's just a, a matter of math. Uh, if you wait and then wait until you have the keys, for example you're buying a house, wait until they give you the keys and you're moved in and then close the accounts uh, so that you don't risk that score change. But again, typically the score will bounce back up because scores recognize, oh, you didn't take on a lot of new debt. That's not what caused that utilization rate to change. What caused it to change was you simply closed an account, which is actually not a sign of risk uh, in the long term. So, you know, be aware of what you're planning to do and take that into consideration. Uh, if a lender closes an account or calls you and says they're going to close an account, and that's happened to me. Uh, yeah. you know, they've, I've had accounts where they've called and said, hey, you, you haven't used it for a year. It costs them money to maintain that account, keep the records, comply with the law, all of those things. So if you're not using it, they may say, hey, you know, can we take it off our books? Can we close the account? I've had accounts where I've said, sure, I'm not worried about it. I'm not planning to apply for anything, not terribly concerned. And if you close an account and you have really strong scores, it's probably not going to drop your scores enough to affect you in any real way. You'll still get the best terms and best rates. That's another thing to think about. Um, but I've said, yeah, close the account. I don't want it. I've had other accounts where they've said, hey, we're going to close it. Like, you know, I might want it. I do some shopping around the holidays with it, and it can save me some money then's. So, I'll go make a small purchase, pay it off, so that there's activity in that account and and it it stays open.
0: Right. That's a that's a great tip. And is I should say, are there any ways if someone is rolling into the fall, into the holidays, and they're looking to boost their score? Maybe yeah. they do want to you know buy something big in the new year, whatever that may be. Are there any? quick ways to boost your score or does it take uh, a matter of, you know, months in order to, to get your score back up?
1: I love the term boost these days. Uh, Experian launched a service we call Experian Boost and it goes to, you know, something you would ask as well. What if a person doesn't have a very long credit history? Can they have good scores? And the answer is yes, they can. Experian Boost actually lets a person add their positive cell phone payments and their positive utility payments. So things like natural gas, water, electricity, as well as potentially cable television bills or satellite television bills to their credit report to the the positive information to help boost their credit scores. That's never been possible before. Mm, Uh, In the past utility companies are they're state regulated and the state regulators often prohibit reporting positive information. Um, never fully understood why.
0: <laughs> it feels like a conspiracy there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I no, not know about that, but, <laughs> but but it was but they would report the negative information. If you didn't pay those bills, you might see a collection account from your cell phone company, for example. So, at Experian, we studied the impact of adding those positive payments, and found that it doesn't affect the e- efficacy—a big word—that doesn't affect the efficacy of. Credit scores, meaning it doesn't cause a person who should not qualify to qualify. But if a person has a what we call thin credit file, a a credit report with fewer than five accounts, we're seeing increases now of about 19 points on average. So that's not insignificant for a person who may have, uh, you know, a, a score say you know, around 680, that would potentially get them right in the 700 range. It might save them money. Um, More importantly, it can help people who haven't had access to traditional credit and traditional banking systems and help them gain access to those systems, which can potentially break the cycles of predatory lending. It can help them have or qualify for lower-cost services, so it can save them money. It can help people get better terms when they're leasing an apartment, for example, on paying a security deposit. Same thing can be true for utilities. You may have to pay a lower installment uh, fee or security deposit. Uh, So it can help people save money. It can help them gain access to traditional services that help them be more financially healthy and more financially successful. So we're really excited about that. And it's really easy to do. Um, the other thing that's unique is that, well, two things: it's free, and right. it's uh, it's consu- it's your choice. So it's you control what you want to have added, uh, and, and that's never been done before. So at Experian, we've given people a choice, we've given them control over that choice, uh, and help uh, are helping them improve their credit histories. Uh, so we're really excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Anybody, anybody could use a little boost. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Step number four is, is looking at your financial future, which of course is important. Uh, I know one of the things you talk about is, is taking this time of the year to look at your 401k contributions. Is there a way to, I'll use the word boost again, to boost that up before the end of the year? And although that doesn't have a direct impact on your, on your credit score or, or anything, you know, necessarily related to that, it can have a a big impact on, on savings, lowering your tax bill, all sorts of things. Why, why is the end of the year a great time to, to think about some of those things?
1: Well, at the end of the year, we're kind of in spending mode, uh, and we should also be thinking about being in a savings mode. We actually did a survey a number of years ago uh, with a very simple, small survey with the Consumer Federation of America, and it found that there was a direct correlation between good savings habits and good credit habits.
0: Mm. If you
1: are saving well, that's going to help you weather any kind of economic downturn it will help you if if you lose your job or if uh, you know you, you have an unexpected expense you'll be able to continue to make those credit payments and those debt payments on time because you've saved and prepared for those situations similar issue with the 401k you're thinking about long into the future and that's really hard to do especially when you're young uh you know millennials are are in their twenties to mid thirties. I remember when I was in my mid twenties and I've said, I don't think there's really any difference between millennials and my generation, except that they have better technology.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they have better toys. So, and that doesn't mean I can't play with those toys now too. I have all of the tech stuff, but you know, in life, you know, it, It's hard to think about where am I going to be in 20 or 30 years. And so looking at your 401k, making sure that if you're working with a company that offers a match, that you take advantage of that match uh, for your contributions, especially if they're pre-tax, because that's free money uh, and it can mean a huge difference in where you are in terms of saving for retirement in the next 20 or 30 years. So really important to think ahead and end of the year is a good time to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of free money, so.
1: Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> I'll, come back.
0: Yeah, I'll take anybody's free money. Uh, so the, our last step, step number five, is financial holiday bliss. And there are so many different tips that I think we could go over for this one. But tell me a little bit about like how do we have that ultimate financial holiday bliss? Are there things we haven't talked about that maybe we should be thinking about?
1: Well, I, you know, there are so many things you can do uh, and, you know, maybe a bit too late this year, but if you start your holiday planning and shopping on January 2nd next of 2020, you may be able to save money al- along the way throughout the year. You can reduce the holiday stress that comes around in the following year because you're not running around trying to find that perfect gift. You've already done it in theory, uh, But we also may see things like holiday bonuses that come along. I always caution people not to budget on a bonus because you don't know if you're going to get it. (laughs) You you know, so that that's a concern. If the bonus isn't there, you shouldn't have it as part of your budget. Uh, You know, a, a bonus is kind of like that free money. But use it for things that are going to be beneficial in the long term. Put it in savings. Use it to pay down existing debt. So if you can reduce those credit card debts that you're going to recoup that bonus savings very quickly in reduced interest rates and lower fees and all of those sorts of things, uh, you know, make sure that you're preparing for the future. Use those funds to plan ahead and it will help the next year be a much more stress free or at least reduced stress holiday season and help you have a better, brighter financial future.
0: I like that. So we'll give you one day, January 1st, to uh, to uh not have your, your stuff together. But January 2nd, that's the day.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Or maybe 3rd.
0: Maybe 3rd. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, Rod, this has been so fantastic. I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about Experian, Experian Boost, all the good things that we talked about.
1: To learn more about Experian Boost, visit Experian.com slash Boost. I should add that, uh, and I don't think I explained, what happens with Experian Boost is that when you go to that website, you will tell us which accounts uh, you want to have included or which payments, and we you give us permission to access your checking account or your savings account that you pay that monthly bill through so that we can capture that payment and put it in your credit report. If you decide you don't want us to do that any longer, you can tell us to stop and we will. So again, it's it's fully your choice. Uh, And we can go back as much as 24 months and capture those payments. So you're not starting just from scratch. You get two years of history. That's why it helps improve those credit scores. So Experian.com slash boost, uh, very easy to do. It's free. uh, And we, we are seeing great results there. To learn more about credit reports and credit scores and all of the things that we do at Experian, You can visit Experian.com. We have a great advice column called Ask Experian, as well as lots of other great content. Uh, And uh, we encourage people to engage and be part of that process. Check your credit report. The one other website I'll add is annualcreditreport.com. That's the free annual credit report under federal law. Always try to mention that as well.
0: I love all of Rod's tips, and I even tried to ask him some of the questions that you've sent me over the last few months about credit score in particular, and honestly, I learned a lot in this episode, but I think the tip that really stood out the most was number four when he talked about, take a look at your financial future. You have to look at the numbers, of course, but I also want to suggest doing a silly but very impactful exercise. Grab a sheet of blank paper and some crayons or even a pen, and I want you to draw out what you want the next few months to look like. Have fun with it. Don't judge yourself. Just draw anything that comes to mind. Then look back at that picture and think about what money steps you need to take to bring that to life over the next few months. Drawing and listing out what you want is really such a great way to get your brain to come alongside your money, and it gives you direction. I have done these things over the last couple of years and it has revolutionized how I think I and feel about money. Just my two cents. If you enjoyed this episode, hey, share it with your friends so they can also ace their fall financial checkup. And tag me on Instagram at Game and use the hashtag fallmoneycheckup to share with me the steps that you're taking.